Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. Well, if you were here in January, you know that we talked about empowering the future. We're talking about building the next generation of leaders. And if you want to build the next generation of leaders, you certainly have to talk about how to serve and being a servant. So all February long, we're going to be talking about the power to serve, what it means to be a servant, and we're going to be going through that. So stay with us as we, as we go through that. This morning, we're going to talk about listen well, serve well. The very essence of serving has to do with the way we listen. If you don't listen very good, very difficult to serve well. But if you listen well, you can serve well. So that's where we're at this morning. We're starting very, very beginning and just getting this thing backed right up. How do we, how do we serve well? That means I have to, have to listen well to begin with. So a little illustration to drive the point home this morning. Um, how many of you today, quick survey of hands, how many would say, I enjoy going out to a restaurant for a good meal? Let me see your hands. How many would say, I enjoy that? Okay, that's most of us. So let's just reverse it. Let's try it the other way. How many here would say, I, I prefer not to go to restaurants. I just like to cook and eat at home. How many of that? All right. There's always like a few of us or a few of you. I like going to restaurants. But that's okay. That's cool. Nothing wrong with that. I actually admire people that just really enjoy cooking and making their meals at home. Okay, next question. How many of here would say would be willing to say what your favorite restaurant food is, your favorite type of cuisine. If you're going to go out for any meal, let's say it was paid for, and you could order whatever you want on the menu, what kind of food would you like to go for? Anybody? On the, let's start on this section here. Who, who from this section? What would you say, I love this type of food? French cuisine. Okay. This section. Steak? All right. Steak. Alberta beef. Angus. Or Charlet. Angus works. All right. This section over here, what, what kind of food? Italian. Italian. All right. This section. Seafood. seafood. From a couple of people. Seafood. All right. You've got seafood. You've got Italian. This section over here. Okay. We've got lots. <laughs> Thai, Korean. These people are hungry, you know, as you can tell. <laughs> okay. So we, got, we had Thai. We had Korean. What else was it? What is it? Kebab. Persian. Oh, Persian food. Persians make the best rice. I don't know if you guys do your rice, but mm, it's so good. Okay, this section back here. Your favorite type of food at a restaurant? Sushi. We haven't had sushi yet. That's a good one. Okay, right over here. Caribbean. All right, Caribbean. There we go. This section right here. The dirty apron. Of course. What was I thinking? <laughs> Dave, what would be your favorite food? Butter. Butter. <laughs> Spoken like a true chef. But if you had, like, this, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry about that. But if you had to go to any restaurant besides sham bars or the dirty apron, what would be your favorite kind of food, cuisine? I tell you. You too, Sarah? All right, very good. So we got a good smattering. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to have a little illustration. And uh, I, I need the, a table brought up. We're going to, we're going to have Dave's uh, Italian restaurant today, Dave's Italian diner. And uh, David and Sarah, would you guys want to come to my diner? Okay, come on up. This is unrehearsed, of course. So this is 
Always a little risky for the speaker when we do it this way, but anyhow, we're going to go with it. So David and Sarah, come on up. Welcome to, uh, welcome to my diner. And, uh, you know, I, I just would really like you guys to sit down, have a seat here. And uh, uh, I call it diner because I'm hoping to make it on uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives. So maybe I can make that food show, you know, so who knows. But at any rate, we're really, I'm really thrilled to have you at my, my restaurant today. And what I'd like to do is to say that whatever you want off the menu, you can order. So any drink you like, order off the menu. We are non-alcoholic. It kind of goes with the pastoral territory. But, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, you can you know, have any refreshments you want. We've got fresh orange juice. We've got, you know, we've got... We squeeze it here by, our, you know, we have uh, coffee we make and, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we just have great beverages. We've got Italian food, you name it. And you can order, be specific. Like you guys would know how to order something. I think our chefs can whip it up. Just, just give us the details and we'll make it for you. And dessert, you know, tiramisu, whatever you like, we've got it happening here. So it would be our honor, our privilege to serve you today. A huge welcome to my, my restaurant. And I'm going to have my, my waiter, my top waiter come and serve you. Ryan's going to serve you. Give Ryan a big welcome. Ryan's your server for today. And just let him serve you today. Hi, hi. Welcome to this Italian diner. <laughs> Enough. Okay. Oh, yes. What can we start you with? Actually, before we start, I have a funny story. I, I was bathing my cat this morning. He was a mess. He was rolling around in dirt. I know that has really nothing to do with this, but it was just a funny story because he's so cute and orange. Uh, we don't serve cat, just so you know. Yes, so, uh, yes, can we start? Oh, <laughs> embarrassing. So, uh, what would we like to start? We, I can't do sentences either. Uh, what can we start you with? Yes. Should we start with some burrata? Yeah. Okay. Burrata. Don't know what that is, but I'm going to write that down. <laughs> can you explain? <laughs> Seems like we have some seasoned professionals here. Oh, yes. Burrata is the best uh, buffalo mozzarella you've mm. ever tried in your life. Buffaloes make cheese. I didn't know that. <laughs> All right, uh, yes. Okay, uh, so some buffalo matzah and uh, for, to drink, to drink, what would you like? Um, I'll have uh, a Miami iced tea. Miami. You know we have no alcohol, right? Okay, Miami iced tea. All right, and for you? And some just good water. <laughs> I just got the most hilarious text. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh yes, I, of course. <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> I just gotta get up. That was hilarious. <laughs> All right. Okay. Oh, this is a funny moment. Can I take a picture? Oh yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so. What was that? Water. Water. Okay. And for the main course. I'm worried. Um, I'll have a gnocchi, please. Gnocchi. Yeah, mm. Is that stuff that looks like cheese or potato, but it's neither? Sure, yes. I think it's gnocchi. And can I have shaved truffle on top? Sure. Yeah? Okay. Truffle. <laughs> it's a fungus. <laughs> I'm whatever you want. <laughs> 
end for you. What do you recommend? What would I recommend? Oh, we have the works here. Jambalaya is delicious. <laughs> Literally, it's the works. Hey, Julian! How's it going? Just one second. Julian, are you going to my uh, football party after the, the Super Bowl? Yeah, are you going to bring your nachos? Famous nachos. Julian, the best nachos. The table's way down there, I know. It's just kind of embarrassing to yell. Anyways, I'll see you there. So, uh, Jambalera. Okay, and that's good? All right, we'll be right back with the order. All right, I got an order here. I got a, uh, I think it's a, I, some, buffalo rare uh, <laughs> with mozzarella cheese on top. Um, we're going to have a, a Miami Vice uh, drink. Can you just make something, make it 80s themed? Uh, I'll have water with, uh, uh, I think it's grenadine, grenadine, lots of half grenadine, and uh, uh, a Nokia phone with truffles, and uh, some jammerama. All right, thanks. It'll be right up, guys. Uh, okay, give these guys a big hand. Um, thanks for being good sports, Dave and, and Sarah. Sorry to have to put you through that. But uh, that was good. Oh. Anyhow, what's wrong with that picture? Did you, did you figure it out? I think we probably got the message is that Ryan, although he had a lot of passion, he just wasn't listening. And because he wasn't listening, he totally messed up the order and uh, he didn't get it done right. Didn't serve well. If you go to a restaurant, I mean, a, a good waiter is really listening. They are totally engaged with you. Uh, they have your full attention. They're not having side conversations, talking to their buddies about the Super Bowl, and they're certainly not texting while they're taking your order. <laughs> they're, uh, they're totally engaged and listening, and because they do that, they get your order right. It's frustrating to go to a restaurant and you haven't, they haven't listened well and your, your meal, your steak isn't done the way you ordered it or they brought the wrong soup or the wrong salad and they have to take it back. And so there's something about listening well in order to serve well. So today we're going to look at our Lord because he re redefines this definition of greatness and he gives it this definition of a servant. I went to the dictionary and just looked up online on the merriamwebster.com, what great means. This is what they gave us. Great means notable, large in size, large in number or measure, like great multitudes, remarkable in magnitude, full of emotion, like great with anger, distinguished, like a great poet, long, like a great while, main, like a great hall, remote in a family relationship, like a great grandfather, Mark superior in character, quality, great of soul. Remarkably skilled, great at tennis. Used as a general term of approval. We had a great time. It was just great. Those are 11 different kind of variations of great, but none of it talks about being a servant. This is a year 2011, a long time after Jesus said that, but in the definition, there's nothing yet about a servant. Jesus redefined it. He said, if you want to be great... Learn to be a servant. And it's a good thing to be great. In our discourse today that we read about this, Jesus never discourages us from being great. Matter of fact, 
that's healthy to be great, to want to aspire. He just redefines how to be great. So if you have your Bibles, go with me, Matthew chapter 20. We're in Matthew 20, verse 20. Easy to remember, 2020. If you want to be great, here's the 2020 insight, the way to look at it, if you like. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. A little bit of background here. This lady's name is Salome. She's the mother of James and John. Those are the two guys that are with her. They're now probably in their early 20s, and they're coming before Jesus. And this is Salome, their mother. Now, most believe that Salome is the sister to Mary, which would make her Jesus' aunt. And these two guys, James and John, are most likely his cousins. So you've got the aunt coming before Jesus with her two sons, and she kneels down before Jesus in reverence and respect, and she's going to ask something from Jesus. So the Lord says to her in verse 21, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answers her and says, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink this cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with a baptism that I'm baptized with? They, they said to him, we're able. She doesn't respond, they respond. So kind of get this picture in your mind. Here comes this lady, two young men beside her in their 20s. And they respond to Jesus and say, are you able to do this? And I kind of think they put their mom up to it. Say, mom, you know what? I'm not sure Jesus is going to go for this, but after all, you're, her, you're his aunt and you're our mom. And if you come and ask, you know, better chance that he might say, yeah, you get to do this. He'd been talking a lot about the cross. He talked about what he would go through already to them. But they're more interested in a crown than they are a cross. And so they're looking for position. They're looking for glory. They're looking for, in our world, the corner office or the company car or the promotion. They're looking for having vice president on their business card. And so they're, they're, they're wanting the power. And so they're saying, hey, can you, can you elevate us there? And uh, they're, they're kind of sneaking in through and using the family connection to get there. And they said to him, yeah, we're able to do this. And so he responds in verse 23. You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with. You are going to go through some things. That you will do some suffering. We know that James was martyred. John wasn't martyred, the only disciple that was not martyred. He died in his 90s, but it was no picnic when he was on the island of Patmos. He went through some difficulties and challenges for sure following Christ. But to sit on my right hand on my left, Jesus says, is not mine to give. It's for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. Now, let's make a point here that salvation comes to us unmerited. We don't earn our salvation. It is a free gift from God. But the rewards that God gives, those are earned. As we serve Him, as we labor for Him, as we surrender our life and serve Him, there is a reward for that. Then in verse 24, when the ten heard it, the other disciples, they're greatly displeased with the two brothers. Greatly displeased, that means in today's vernacular, that means they're ticked off. Not just ticked off, but they're really ticked off. They hear about it that the two brothers with their mom, who was most likely Jesus' aunt, went up there and said, hey, can we have the vice president roles? And they're upset at the other disciples. The other disciples are upset with him. Maybe they're upset. i got to think about this. Maybe they're just upset because they didn't think of it. Man, why did I think about asking for the vice president role? I didn't know we're that far along yet. Maybe others were upset about it that they were 
playing the family card. I can't believe it. I hate it when they do that. I hate it when they go and say, well, we're related to you. You know, you got to pick me. That bugs people. Or maybe they were upset because it was bringing dissension amongst their team. And they, it distor- dis- kind of disrupted the, the camaraderie, the chemistry. That was, they were a tight team. And this was disturbing the chemistry. Could guess what was really causing the tension. But certainly selfishness brings dissension. And these guys were acting selfish. It was about their position. Jesus calls them. To himself. He calls the whole group. He says, guys, we're going to have a huddle. He doesn't take James and John over the corner and say, you guys, it's so stupid what you did. Why did you do that? You know, you bring your mom up here. What's that about? He doesn't, he doesn't scold them. He just calls all his disciples, okay, you guys, let's have a huddle. Come on over here. Today in the football game, they're going to have a huddle. What happens in the huddle? Quarterback gets everybody together and says, okay, here's the play. Here's how we're going to run it. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Let's, let's go. And they run the play. Jesus was calling a huddle. Okay, you guys want to be great? You want to be leaders? Let's call a huddle. Here's how you do it. If you want to be great, if you want to be a leader, here's the deal. Serve. I do it differently. My kingdom operates differently than the world's kingdom. Here's the way it operates. Let's listen into the huddle that Jesus had with those disciples. Verse 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. They understood this. They lived under the Roman rule. Under Roman rule, they exercised their power to get ahead. They had no problem using their authority to advance their cause. In the Lord's kingdom, we don't use our authority for that way. We exercise servanthood to help somebody else get ahead, not us get ahead. Then he goes on to say, yet it shall not be so among you. That's not the way you're going to do it. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. If James and John want to be great, the way they're great is to serve. Obviously, they got this message because later on in life, you see that these men really did serve others. And then verse 27, and whoever desires to be first, he doesn't say it's a bad desire. It's a healthy desire. But if you desire to be first, here's the way we're going to do it. Desire to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to read verse 28 again because it's easy to just kind of hear it because we've heard it before. But let's read it again. Really think about it. As a son of man, as a son of man. So we have to copy Jesus. Does that make sense? We, if we're followers of Jesus and we would copy what he did, right? So he says, as a son of man, he did not come to be served, but to serve. Didn't come To be served, he came to serve. Didn't come to be served, he came to serve. Repeating it for a reason, obviously. When I was a young little boy, my father, my grandfather, had a gas station in Saskatchewan, Roster in Saskatchewan. And it was an Esso gas station. And I don't know if you remember, this will date me a little bit, but back then when I was a boy, there was something called put a tiger in your tank. Does anybody remember put a, put a tiger in your tank? All right, I remember that. So we had these little tiger tails, and you tied onto your rearview mirror or something. You put a tiger in your tank, or people literally would have it hanging out from their gas tank, this little tiger's tail. And it was a big thing. And uh, it was full-service gas station. They're almost extinct. But to, back then, full-service. Drive up. You drove over that little thing. went ding, ding. And, uh, you know, 
the guys were all in uniforms. They had the, the pants and the shirt with the Esso badge on it. They had the Esso cap. I love my grandfather's Esso cap. It was so cool. I wanted to wear that. And you'd run out there. Hey, what can we do for you? You'd fill it up. You didn't ask to check the oil. You just automatically did it. You didn't ask to wash the windows. You washed the windows. You wiped it down. You checked the tire pressure. And you gave them full service. No such thing as self-serve. And you didn't swipe your card. None of that. It was all just serving you. One time I went out there, and I always liked to get up early with my grandfather, and he'd take me down there and have breakfast with him. And I, I just love hanging out. I love the atmosphere of the garage, the cars, the smell of gas and oil. I love the smell of gas and oil. Uh, it's just, I think it's in my oil blood, you know. I, I still have this, I have this little bottle of oil from the first well that we bought. And every once in a while, I'll just open it up and go, mmm. Anyhow, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> so we're, we're serving these people. One day my grandfather said, I was getting, I've been around for a while, and, and he, he thought I'd watched enough to serve him properly. He said, son, uh, Dave, he said, why don't you go out there and, uh, and do the windows for that car? And obviously I wasn't paying good enough attention. I know that my grandfather did the squeegee, and then the guys would take a rag. I just grabbed the rag. But I didn't grab the, the right rag, this greasy rag that was lying there. And I picked it up, and I'm wiping down this guy's window with a lot of passion. And, and the guy's flipping out. Now he's swearing at me, get this kid off my car. What's he doing? My grandpa runs out. He says, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, obviously, he was a, a regular customer. as my grandson. He's just trying to help out. And my, 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 my grandfather patched it all up, got the window clean, gave him extra service. And he said, don't worry, don't worry, George. Everything's cool. And, and he talked to me after. He said, you know, that's not the way we do it here. So let me teach you how to do the windows right. And he taught me. And when you rolled up that gas station, you came to be served. And sometimes that's the way people come to church. I'm here to be served. All right, let, let's serve me. Brad, crank up the worship team, serve me there. And oh, let me, I, I, we can't have this attitude, you know, where's the coffee? Where are the cookies? Cookies, serve me, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to be served. If you missed the cookies joke, that's a couple of weeks ago we talked about the cookies. But you come to be served. And we can, that can creep into church. That can creep into our home. That can creep into our company. And it can creep into our country. I'm here to be served. But look at the attitude of Jesus here again. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. I've got a question for you this morning. It may hurt a little bit, but how did you come to church? Did you come to be served? Or did you come with, hey, how could I serve? Now, please understand that it's, good. it's okay to be served. Jesus was served. The woman washed his feet. The disciples served him. It's okay to be served, but what is our attitude when we come? Is it just about me being served, or I, do I come with an attitude, how could I serve? The first step to being a good servant, like we said, is to listen well. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it's there in your notes, out of the Living Bible. The most important thing about a servant. Wow. What is the most important thing about a servant? The most important about a ser- thing about a servant is what? That he does just what his master tells him to. The most important thing about a waiter, we could say, is listen to what they want to order. Then you can serve them well. When you go to your doctor, don't you prefer that your doctor really listens to you as you describe your ailment so that he can write a proper prescription? 
What if your doctor was texting and tweeting and talking to somebody else? Well, you, no, when you go see your doctor, you sit down in a room with him. He closes the door. He says, he pulls up his little stool and says, okay, what's wrong? Where does it hurt? How can I help you? And he's fully engaged, listening, listening, listening. Why? So he can serve you. This is, I know, fundamental, but it's so easy to miss. If we catch this little but powerful point to serve well, we listen well. The most important thing is to what? Do exactly what's told us. Told means I'm listening to what you told me to do. Great story about a Canadian, and he moved to the States to be a great economist. He taught at Harvard, worked for different presidents. His name was John Galbraith. And he had an autobiography called A Life in Our Times. And he tells in his autobiography about their housekeeper. Her name was Emily Wilson. Emily Wilson took care of the place. And one day, John says to her, I have to go have a nap. I'm wiped out. If somebody calls, tell them I'll get back to them, but I need an hour just to sleep. Don't let anybody bother me. I need one hour just to get refreshed. He was a very busy man, very well sought after. Well, wouldn't you know, he lies down and the phone rings. She picks up the phone, and uh, on the other line it says, Get me Ken Galbraith. This is Lyndon Johnson, the president. And she responds, you're going to like this. She responds, he's sleeping, Mr. President. He said not to disturb him. The president says, well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. And she says, no, Mr. President. I work for him, not you. (laughs) Isn't that powerful? Doing exactly what her master told him to do. She's serving. Well, he goes on to write, when I called the president back, he could scarcely control his pleasure. He said, tell me who that woman is. I want to hire her at the White House. (laughs) Yeah. See, when you listen well and serve well, you become a very attractive individual to be working, to be on a team, whether it be playing football, whether it be employed, whether it be serving in a community, whether it be serving in a church. If you listen well and serve well, wow, you will get people's attention. Listen well, serve well. Jesus is the ultimate example of a servant. We're reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 9. These verses here are so packed. We can't undo it all today, but we're going to pull out some of the points. I'm going to ask you to pull your notes. Let's read it out loud together. That way we kind of hear it and digest a little better if we read it together. Can we do that? Okay, on the count of three, one, two, three. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name. Wow. Hang on to that page for a little bit. Let's just look at some words that pop out to us here as we look at this attitude. First of all, servanthood is an attitude. It really starts with that uh, attitude, which is I'm thinking about others and I'm not being selfish. Uh, It said here, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. This is not debasing yourself. 
Doesn't mean, oh, I'm nothing, you're everything. That's not what he's asking here. To have and know that you have gifts and not recognize and think they're good wouldn't be fair to God. Because God made you great and gave you great gifts. So he's not saying, oh, you have to think less of yourselves. It just says, I think great of other people. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, he said, really it's like a, a great architect who designed a great cathedral. And he knew it was a great cathedral. True humility is not thinking, oh, you know, it's nothing. I really didn't do anything. No, true humility is thinking, you know what? I would rejoice whether I made it or whether another great person made it. I still think it's amazing. Humility is helping another person get to where they want to go, not just like, this is where I got to go. Push aside. I got to get to where I want to go. Humility is saying, let me help you succeed. Zig Ziglar once said, if you help enough people get to where they need to go in life, you'll get to go where you need to go in life another way of saying servanthood another thing that pops out besides attitude is humble position we heard that little clip from troy from the pittsburgh steelers he said it's about ego it's about pride and in his position i'm sure he has to wrestle with it because of the accolades that he gets but all of us in life have to wrestle with not allowing pride and ego to come in and disrupt our attitude of servanthood also with that is obedience he obeyed our lord obeyed there, there's nobody else that we can pair him to. You talk about setting aside privileges. He never set aside his deity. He was always God. But he said, I will put on the coat of humanity. I will clothe myself in humanity. And I'll come live amongst you. And I'll serve you. He had all the privileges of heaven. All the powers. And he, he said, I'll, I'll put that aside. We love rags to riches stories we love hearing about somebody who had nothing and they they made it and we go wow what a story this is the opposite this is somebody who had majesty and glory and position and he leaves it to come live with us and serve us don't you love jesus he is so amazing we used to sing a song i keep falling in love with him over and over again keep falling in love with jesus I read this, I fall in love with him again. I say, Lord, you did this you, for us. I want your attitude. Help me to have that kind of mind, that attitude in serving others. Let's summarize a few points here. To listen well, serve well. What does it mean again? Well, just to summarize, number one, be unselfish. If you're filling in the blanks, the word there is unselfish. Selfishness, like it was with the disciples in that situation, caused dissension. Think about others, others first. Remember the acronym for joy, J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, you last. Unselfish. Two, do your service, the blanket service, as unto the Lord and not to impress others. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 and whatever you do, so that's everything, right? Whatever you do, how? Do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance you serve the Lord Christ. So whatever we're doing, so I'm going to do it for the Lord. If you're going to work tomorrow, get up, go work for your company. Really not working for your company, you're working for the Lord. When you work for the Lord, guess what? You're going to be a great employee. Employee. You'll arrive early, you'll do an amazing job, and you'll give it 110% because I'm doing it for the Lord. Your company's going, wow. 
That's a great effort. I love the way you serve and help around here. Why? Because we're doing it for the Lord. Whatever we do, we do for him. And we do it heartily for him. And not to impress others. Sometimes even when we serve, we can have an attitude, well, I'm going to go serve and ah, look at me. Whew. Look what I did. I went to Union Gospel Mission this week. Yeah, I served in the food line. Pretty good, eh? Whew. Let me tell you about it. I, I, wow, really good. I served. If our, and the reason I say that is a number of years ago I met with Morris McElroy. He's now retired from Union Gospel Mission. And we're really praying about whether or not we should have a mission presence in the east end of Vancouver. And I met with him. I talked to him about it. And you know, you know what he said to me? Dave, please don't. I'm paraphrasing. He says, we do this really well. We have been doing this for a long time. We know how to minister to the poor. We know how to help them. We'd much rather have you, and our arms are open wide, come and serve alongside us, support us financially, support us with volunteers, and we can do this really good. You do church well, we do this well. Just come serve with us. Then he, he told me about people that sometimes they'll come, and they'll come into downtown Vancouver, and they'll come from some other st- place. They'll come here, and they'll come with their little bag of sandwiches or something. We, they go around, and they pass it out. and say, okay, look what we did. They'll go back. They, have, they take a lot of photographs and make a little movie about it, and they go back and put it on a screen. They say, look what we did. He said, if they really want to serve us and serve this community, then just come partner with us. We're, we are in the trenches every day. It made you feel good. I forget the term. There's even a term for those almost like tourists who come down and do their little tour and then they leave. But you're better just to come and hook up, he said, with us and immerse yourself with us and serve alongside us. I think that's a better approach. I met this past week with the pastor from Broadway and Tammy who, Cheatham who runs their uh, city reach. And uh, we're, we're, we're saying, how can we work with you? Last year, we helped them put together boxes of, for Christmas hampers. We didn't do it at our church. You know why we didn't do it at our church? Because they already have the systems. They have everything in place. And so we sent our people and our money over there. We built hampers and we helped them go to our neighborhood and to their neighborhood. But it, this is about the kingdom. It's not about us. It's about us saying, who do we get to serve with? You do that really well. Let's just partner with you and do it really well. And serve with that kind of an attitude. Not to impress others. We don't. It's not about us. It's about rolling up our sleeves and what can we do to serve you? And whether we're noted for it or whether not, that's not the issue. The issue is to sincerely help somebody else. And to do that, number three, you have to put pride aside. Put pride aside. I want to read just a little quote from uh, a book about listening well, putting pride aside, not impressing others. And this is from... The Salvation Army. It's Leadership Secrets of the Salvation Army. Peter Drucker said it is the most effective organization in the United States. Peter Drucker knows something about management. And he, he wrote, or uh, the writer here has a whole chapter on lead by listening. And uh, I asked Cheryl to set this book out for me. She was reading it. And so I said, would you please set it out for me so I have it ready for Sunday? She did. And she included a note in it. But I can't read it to you. I already read you a note from her, so I'm not reading you this one. This one's, yeah, very interesting. Anyhow, here we go. (laughs) 
This is out of this book on leadership. And allow me, please, just to read a little bit from this book. It'll help you understand, because the Salvation Army, I think, is really exemplary in how they have served year after year and stayed with it. They said this, ultimately, the test for listening is response. You must prove you're paying attention by how you act on the information you get. Obviously, Ryan wasn't listening because the way he responded to it didn't correspond with their need. The deepest, most rewarding kind of listening implies a relationship. It is not merely a tool or a strategy. It's a way of looking at the world. In the Salvation Army, in fact, we believe there's a theological dimension to listening. It goes to the heart of our theology of service. They go on to write, we're all part of the same family, equal in God's eyes, regardless of our temporary stations as service providers or service recipients, as managers or as employees. And it goes against the conviction to listen to others with condescending or manipulative motives. When we listen to others, we're not doing with a condescending attitude or in any way to manipulate. We're sincerely listening to others. Since we're all in this together... This is really good for the church or any organization. Since we're all in this together, we need to hear and understand one another continually. Blocking the flow of information is like blocking the flow of blood. It threatens the very life of our relationship, our organizations, which is why we consider listening both in our personal and organization sense a fundamental survival skill. May I present to you in our church, in our homes, in our business, listening is a fundamental survival skill because we can't serve well if we don't listen well. So I challenge you today to listen well. For number four, in order to do that, we have to be genuinely interested, not just with a condescending attitude or because we have to. We're genuinely caring about people that we're serving. Then number five, respond and take responsibility. Respond and take responsibility. Pilate used a basin to wash his hands of responsibility. A little later, Jesus takes a basin and takes responsibility and serves his disciples. Are we passing it off to somebody else like Pilate did? Or are we the spirit of Jesus saying, no, I will take responsibility. I'm not waiting for somebody else to do it. I will take responsibility. Then lastly, number six, serve in your area of strength. But be ready to fill a needed role. We don't always get to serve in the exact area we want to. Sometimes we're serving in a different role. But we're willing to do it. We jump in because there's a need. If there's a need, we want to meet it. And we want to serve with an attitude like our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.